The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by Symbol. Guys, we have a brand new sponsor that you guys are going to love. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you can earn cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the nearly 7,000-plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Visit www.symbol.com to create a free account. And when you deposit, make sure you use the promo code SD, as in sports drink, to make your deposit risk-free. Again, that's www.simbull.com and use the promo code SD and your deposit will be risk-free. That means even if you lose money, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams. <laughs> this episode is also brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Guys, the Spotify Green Room is a live, audio-only sports talk platform. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Get in on the conversation that you listen to here every single day and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast like this one. Download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join my group. Follow me at Larry D-E-E. It's, uh, I don't know why they didn't let me use D period, but they didn't. So follow me at Larry D-E-E to be notified when my room goes live every Wednesday, 7 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, and join me when we go live every Wednesday night at Club 34-7. <laughs> What's up, guys? Back once again to put a close on the Week 9 loss to the Steelers and to actually put a close on the first half of the season as our beloved have a bye conveniently after the ninth game of the season or eight games to go after we have this much needed uh, week off. But uh, the funny thing is after the way the bears played on Sunday, you don't want them to have a break, especially since Matt Nagy has a horrible record coming off of bye weeks. You want them to carry this momentum from this quote unquote moral victory over the Steelers into our next matchup with the Ravens. Instead, the bears have two weeks and Matt Nagy has two weeks to uh, find a way to screw it up. So uh, anyway, before we start looking forward to the second half of 2021, let's close the book on week number nine uh, and, uh, you know, sum up uh, Monday night's loss to the uh, to the Steelers in all its frustrating glory. This is the week nine deep dive review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. Hang up the With the Bears and Steelers very much looking like mirror images of, of each other. Good, solid defenses, offenses struggling to score points. This looked like a winnable game for our beloved Chicago Bears if they could just figure out a way to be consistent on both sides uh, of the ball. If they could stay out of their own way, not make stupid mistakes, and beat themselves while trying to beat the Steelers in the process, they would have a very good shot at winning 
the football game. And it seemed like for the first three quarters, they just flat out didn't listen. <laughs> no consistency on offense, no consistency on defense, penalties killing themselves and all that kind of stuff. Then the fourth quarter happened. And we rattle off 21 points, take the lead with less than two minutes to go, only to get in our way once again uh, at the end and lose the football game 29 uh, to 27. So uh, a very interesting game on Monday. Entertaining as a football fan. It was a lot of fun to watch. As a Bear fan, it didn't get fun until the fourth quarter. And then that last two minutes happened where we just need one more defensive stop and we can put an end to this game, claim victory, and go into the bye week with that three-game losing streak snapped. We have a win under our belt with a chance to get to 500 against the Ravens, who did not look that great the week the day before uh, against the uh, Minnesota Vikings. So, uh, you know, 500 would have been within our grasp, uh, but instead, the defense for the third time in four weeks lets the offense down. We end up giving up the game-winning field goal and... Uh, Justin Fields was all out of miracles when we got the ball back with 26 seconds to go. So, yeah. So instead of being four and five, we're three and six. We're on a four-game losing streak. And, yeah, that's just going to keep happening. So, um, well, and and we can also say that Tuesday has come and gone. Uh, and uh, Matt Nagy was not fired today. So we didn't get our wish. We didn't get the silver lining uh, to last night's loss. Uh, so Matt Nagy still head coach uh, of the Bears. Um, you know, we lost the game, which is only helpful in regard to the Bears moving on from Nagy. But we actually should have won the game. The, the, the loss was kind of uh, overshadowed by the fact that the referees were heavily involved and made an impact on the outcome of the game with their penalties uh, in this game. And, uh, you know, so I guess that kind of overshadows the, the, uh, the, the coaching failures in the first three quarters that would have uh, basically put this game in hand for the Bears so they could coast through the fourth quarter or that they would have been building on a lead uh, instead of playing from behind the way that we were. So anyway, with that being said, what's going on, guys? Larry D. back, the week number nine Deep dive review episode of the Bears Talk Underground, talking about Bears and Steelers from last night on Monday. Uh, you know, like I said, a very interesting uh, game and, and a weird game. You hear me talk about it in the first quarter, uh, knee jerk reactions. It was like the 49er game all over again, where, you know, we, we didn't seem to have much trouble moving the ball at times. We went three and out on the first drive, but after that, we seemed to be able to move the ball, move the chains, and, and, and what have you but we just couldn't close the deal and get the ball in the end zone. And, uh, you know, we ended up having to settle for one field goal in the second quarter. We should have scored a touchdown, you know, things like that. Uh, and it was like the 49er game where we were well ahead of the 49ers, but with all of our scoring drives, we're kicking field goals instead of scoring touchdowns. And all of that hard work for the Bears was wiped out with one drive and seemingly one play that pulled the uh, – pulled the 49ers in, and, and it was pretty much over after that. It was, you know, the Steelers jumped out in front early, and we weren't going to be able to close the gap if we keep kicking field goals and they keep scoring touchdowns. So that's what the, uh, you know, the frustrating part was, again, was watching the offense not really have much trouble moving the football. The defense wasn't being overrun by Najee Harris, which was a great concern 
coming into the game, considering what trouble we've had stopping the run the last three weeks against the uh, the Bucks, the uh, the Bucks, the Forty ers and the and the Packers. They ran the ball chunk play after chunk play uh, on us uh, the last three weeks, and here we are, Najee Harris, who was a legit uh, threat, and he's a he's a legit rookie stud, man. He's he's a really really good uh, running back, and um, you know he ended up the he ended the game with twenty two carries for sixty two yards, less than three yards a carry. So he didn't kill us. He didn't really even have any of the the big runs that the Steelers, or excuse me, that the the, the Packers and the Bucks and 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 uh, the Forty ers had uh, on the Bears, where they were just twenty eight here, twenty six there, nineteen there, or anything like that. I, I don't think Najee Harris had a big run like that in the game uh, at all uh, against the Bears. So you know we weren't being overrun. Uh, by the Steelers, Big Ben wasn't picking us apart, and somehow we were losing this game. So as we get into the knee-jerk reactions, you know, you hear me basically talking about it right off the bat uh, in the first quarter. Like we talked about offensive consistency, defensive consistency, not beating ourselves, and right out of the gate, the Bears <laughs> were 0 for 3 uh, across the board. <laughs> knee-jerk reaction, first quarter, Bears and Steelers, and... Uh, not not a good start uh, for the Bears. We had a three and out on our first drive. We couldn't stop getting penalized on the second drive. And then on the third one, Justin Fields got one deflected uh, and or batted down into the arms of a defensive lineman. Uh, so, yeah, not a great start offensively uh, for the for the Bears. Uh, the Steelers went ahead and drove the, the, their opening drive down the field for a touchdown. From uh, from Najee Harris for about ten yards out, um, and then on this this third drive after the the interception, we 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 shut him down on third and one, and then on fourth and one, Najee Harris gets in. So they're in field goal range at least right now. They're inside, I think, the thirty yard line uh, of ours. It's it's kind of a, a mixed bag on on offense. We've had some good runs from David Montgomery. We haven't seen anything from Khalil. Herbert yet I did was kind of hoping that wouldn't be the case I was kind of hoping we'd split it up between the two backs not uh, overwork uh, Montgomery in his first game back but looks like we're hell-bent on doing that Uh, Justin Fields has some decent throws he's been running out of the pocket so it hasn't been all bad it's just we haven't produced anything yet like I said that second drive uh, a great throw to Robinson on first down we were in illegal formation, so we had to bring it back and, and things like that. So, you know, it, it's the, the one thing when I was talking about keys to the game, not, not beating ourselves, and that's what we're doing on offense and on defense. We're getting run over right now by the by the Steelers, and uh, they're looking to add to their 7 to nothing, uh lead here. So, um, I don't know. Hopefully we can shut them down and just hold them to that field goal and uh, turn it around on offense and see if we can kind of build – because like I said, it looks like we're trying, we're we're threatening, but we haven't done really anything on offense. Hopefully, we can peek through in the second quarter. <laughs> so at the end of the first quarter, it was all Steelers. Everything that they wanted to do, they were able to. They were catching the breaks that we weren't able to catch. Uh, you know, we go three and out on our first uh, offensive drive. They go the length of the field and score a touchdown uh, from Najee Harris. Uh, speaking of which, I was just looking at the uh, stats. The touchdown that Najee Harris had was for 10 yards. Um, he had a long for the game of 13 yards, so I was right. He didn't gash us for 29 yards or something like that 
uh, throughout the football game. But he had 22 carries for 62 yards, and on those two carries we just talked about, 23 yards. So that means he had 20, uh, 20 carries for 39 yards. So Najee Harris was not taking over uh, the football game, much like the runners from uh, Green Bay and uh, Tampa and uh, the 49ers uh, did uh, against us. So um, Big Ben wasn't killing us, you know, getting the ball down the field, but he was efficient. He was completing his passes. He was 21 of 30 uh, for the entire uh, football game. They were able to get the turnover uh, with the Cam Hayward thing, where he looked, uh, where it looked like Sam Mustafer kind of held the ball up against his chest until uh, Cam Hayward, you know, uh, clamped down on it to make it an interception uh, kind of thing. But that's what the first quarter was. We weren't able to get things going. The second drive, we were just penalizing ourselves out of you know uh, out of existence there, and then we have a turnover uh, on the third drive. So first quarter, no bueno for our beloved Chicago Bears. The Steelers uh, were looking good. You know they had a long touchdown drive for their first drive, had an interception uh, to close out the first, and were looking to score again uh, as they went into the second. And while the Steelers did turn that in, that interception into a touchdown. When it gets to the halftime, there's this weird kind of cloud over the first half because it doesn't feel like the Bears are losing this game, uh, that we're not playing horribly or anything. It's not embarrassing like it was uh, against the Buccaneers or or anything like that. We didn't have that, uh, that really good start, and then we went flat for three quarters before finally waking up again uh, in the fourth quarter. Uh, it felt like we were playing head-to-head with the Steelers, but we were down 14 to 3 going into the half and then just before the half ESPN throws a bunch of first half graphics up there and that's where it became clear we were losing well actually I, I take it back we were winning everywhere except where the where, where it mattered the most <laughs> knee jerk reaction second quarter bears steelers and um they just kind of ran down some stats, and apparently we're in a football game where the Bears are winning everywhere except on the goddamn scoreboard because we have more passing yards, we got more running yards, we have more total yards. We're losing the turnover battle, one to nothing, and we're losing on the scoreboard 14-3 to because the most promising offensive drive the Bears have had all night stalled uh, in the red zone, and we had to settle for a field goal. Not that ESPN didn't try to jinx Cairo Santos by mentioning at least two or three times before the field goal attempt that he's made 38 in a row. But, um, you know, again, second quarter, same, uh, same book, different chapter. The Bears, uh, you know, having a moment here and there, but not really doing much to, to finish it or pu- push it through. And on defense, uh, you know, we're not being dominated or pushed around by the Steelers. They took advantage of the the turnover, the interception at the end of the first quarter, put it in the end zone for a touchdown to go up fourteen uh, to nothing. But it's not like this. This this the story. The score. The the scoreboard's not really telling the story of the game. It's a lot closer on the field than the fourteen to three score. It's just that the Bears can't get anything going consistently on offense to. Uh, to match up with the Steelers or to catch them. So we'll see how it goes uh, in the second half. Uh, the Steelers start with the ball, so we need a you know quick turnaround from the defense to get the ball back in Fields' hands because 
I'm in, in agreement with the announcers that it just seems like as the game goes along, Justin Fields seems to be gaining confidence, and I'm hoping that that continues into the second half and can result in some touchdowns, and maybe we can make a football game out of this. And you know what was remarkable about the Bears having the edge in total yards, passing yards, running yards, uh, that kind of thing? Was, listen, to, this is the, the Bears' possessions for the first half of the game. Three plays, punt. Five plays, interception. Oh, wait, excuse me. Three plays, punt. That was the first one. Three plays, punt. That was the second one where a, a really nice throw to Allen Robinson was negated by an illegal formation uh, penalty. Uh, third third uh, drive, five plays, interception. That was the Cam Hayward pick. Three plays, seven yards, punt. Four plays, 12 yards, punt. And then finally, 12 plays, 52 yards, field goal, and that was right at the end of the first half. I mean, when we kicked the field goal, there was 15 seconds left in the first half. We didn't have our first decent drive until basically the half was over. We went into like two-minute mode uh, there at the end to kick a field goal to make it 14-3. to And somehow, that pile of shit was enough for us to be winning the yardage battle Total yards, total, you know, passing yards, running yards, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, and we were down 14-3. to three. Uh, I mean, that's what's remarkable about what the Steelers were able to do with their first half opportunities versus what we, what we did with ours. But, I mean, let's go back and look at the Steelers. After we punt on three plays, six plays touchdown for the Steelers. Then six plays, eight yards punt on the next drive. Uh, touchdown on the following drive after the interception, nine plays, 38 yards. So short field uh, for them. But after that, four plays punt, three plays punt, and then they kneeled on the ball at the end of the of the first half. So like I said, we weren't being pushed around uh, by the Steelers. It was more of a half where we couldn't get out of our own way. And that was one of the keys into the game. It was like, I remember I was, I was like, yeah, this is going to be some basic cookie cutter nonsense uh, as far as keys to the game. But since we can't do the basic right, which is be consistent on offense, be consistent on defense, stop beating ourselves, those are going to be the keys until we figure something else out, you know, until we start playing with some consistency. Then I can, you know, throw out keys like let's get Jimmy Graham involved in the red zone, you know, stuff like that. But if, if we can't do the basic stuff right, the basic stuff is what has to come first. The fundamentals is what's going to win you the game. So, you know, just looking at that. Neither one of these teams had a good half. The Steelers had their opening drive and then offensively were nothing for the rest of the first half. You know, their next touchdown drive came on when they started the ball inside our 40-yard line. So they had a short field and, you know, six more plays, they were able to put it into the end zone. They took advantage of the turnover. Outside of that, their offense was just as stagnant as ours. And then finally, at the end of the first half, we had the 12-play drive. We got it into field goal range. We came up short trying to get the ball into the end zone and settled for the, uh, settled for the field goal. So, you know, and it was a 12-play, I think, was it 52 yards, I think I said? Yeah. Yeah. 12 plays, 52 yards at the end, and those 52 yards won us the first half as far as total yardage and running and, and passing and, and things like that. It's... That's how weird of a game it was in the first quarter where you're looking at a 14-3 to score, but it doesn't feel like a 14-3 to game. 
You know, neither team was dominating. Neither team was playing poorly to be up or down by two scores or anything like that. But that's what the scoreboard said. So we go into the second half and looking to try to fix this because this this game might it might be a two score deficit. But, you know, we've got some moves that we can make here and see if we can't get ourselves uh, into this ball game. And in the third quarter, it was pretty much more of the same. Uh, for the Bears, we weren't able to finish out the drives, but this was also the quarter where the referees got involved and stole a touchdown from us. <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction, third quarter, Bears and Steelers, and you don't want to be this guy, but the referees in this game are making me that guy. The last drive the Bears had here in the third quarter started at their own seven-yard line, got it all the way down to goal-to-go, um, Justin Fields hits Jimmy Graham in the corner of the end zone for a touchdown. Only James Daniels was called for an illegal chop block or an illegal cut block or something like that. And according to the rules, it has to be something that happens outside the tackle box for it to be a penalty. And it wasn't, so the refs got it wrong. Uh, and then on two consecutive plays, Justin Be- uh, Fields gets drilled um on, once on a run he gets clobbered by the on the back of his head no call and then on the next play he gets uh hit after he throws on third down no call the bears have to settle for a field goal so what was what could have been 14 to 10 was ended up being 14 to 6 as uh uh santos hits a chip shot field goal and then the steelers as per usual Come right down the field, five plays, 75 yards, put a touchdown on the board. They missed the extra point, so it's 20-6 to six now. The Bears have the football. Looks like they're moving the ball again. And it, but it's the same problem that they had last week with the 49ers, where there doesn't really seem to be much difficulty in moving the ball, getting it down the field, but getting it in the end zone when we're in a position to do so has been the big problem. Only settling for field goals instead of getting touchdowns is what allowed the 49ers back in that game last week, and it's what's killing us this week against the Steelers. So 20-6 to as we go into the fourth quarter. The Bears have the football. We're moving. Let's see if we can get the ball in the end zone. Let's see if the defense can hold up for once and get us the ball. Because what's pissing me off about the defense is we are the Great Wall of China. We are blocking everything, shutting it all down if it's third and one, second and one. But first and ten, we're getting mauled at the line of scrimmage. We're getting big plays to the Steelers. They're moving it down the field and everything like that. I mean... Just go back to the keys to the game. And I was like, we need to be consistent on offense, consistent on defense. Neither of those things is happening. We're down 20 to 6 going into the fourth quarter. And that's where my frustration was coming from. Watching this game, it's 20 to 6 on the scoreboard, but it doesn't feel like it's 20 to 6 on the field. I mean, it, it doesn't feel like it's that much of a gap between what the Steelers are doing and what the Bears uh, are doing. However, you know, it's that touchdown number one was taken away from us, which was a, a bogus call. Um, yeah, Daniels went for the for the cut block, um, and he was still inside the tackle box, which is what the penalty is. If you hit that block outside the tackle box, it's illegal. Fine, 
Number one, he was still inside the tackle box. Number two, he missed the block. He didn't make the block. He made no contact. But Tony Carrenti, who will come into the, who will factor into the story later, uh, threw the flag, um, saying that uh, you know he was talking to a, a pool reporter after the game and uh, defending those calls that he made. And on that one, he says he, from his perspective, he saw contact and it was outside the tackle box. He was wrong on both accounts. Threw the flag anyway, and it was the Bears being at the goal line. It was, we were literally at the one-yard line. That's a 15-yard penalty. Then we had to take it back to the 16 and try to get in uh, from there. Had to settle for the field goal. So what would have been 14-10 to 10 was 14-6, to 6, and that's huge. Um, those four points right there win us the game. You know, add those four points. We won the game 31-29 to 29, uh, over, the, uh, over the Steelers. Just that call alone cost us the football game. Never mind the one that came later. So uh, that that call right there, being wrong, is what cost us the game. And like I said at the start of the knee-jerk reaction, you don't want to be this guy. But the referees were making me that guy. Because when you lose a football game and the referees play a factor into it, it just sounds like sour grapes. Oh, the referees screwed us, man. They were out to get the Bears or anything like that. I don't believe the Steelers, or excuse me, the, the referees, we're out to get the Bears, okay? I don't think there was some kind of agenda or vendetta. However, you can't deny when you look at the final stats and it's 12 penalties for 115 yards against the Bears and the Steelers had like three penalties for 15 yards, okay? That's pretty pretty bad. And, and granted, I will say at least half of those penalties were on us. The offsides penalties, illegal formation, that kind of thing. That's going to happen within the, the, you know, the confines of a football game. But like I said, we'll talk about the taunting call. That's coming later. That low block call, that's 30 yards of penalties right there that changed the outcome of the game. It had a direct impact on the game. Just those two penalties. Neither one of them was a penalty. If neither of them get called, we're talking about the Bears snapping their losing streak going into the bye with a 4-5 and five record. That's, that's exactly the conversation that we're having right now. But instead, those flags were thrown, they went against us, they cost us, and we ended up losing the football game. So like I said, you don't want to be this guy, but they made me that guy. And the thing is, they made a lot of people that guy. Because the only comfort that I can take in being that guy is that I know I'm not alone. And I don't mean I know I'm not alone amongst Bear fans. I mean, I know I'm not alone against everybody. You know, watching the shows today, all the talking heads from every walk of life, from from our own beat writers all the way to, you know, Shannon Sharp on uh, whatever show he does, First Take or whatever, with uh, with Skip Bayless and, and whatnot. It was all over SportsCenter. I was watching NFL Now today uh, while I was working and, and things like that. It's just, it's unanimous across the board that, you know, especially everyone focusing more on the taunting call than the low block call. Um, but it's just, everyone's basically in full agreement except for dickhead Jeff Saturday. I don't know what his problem is, but he's in, the, he's in a huge minority here. Um, you know, it's, it's like 99% to 1% on whether or not that was a penalty. And Ryan Clark from ESPN had an outstanding, had an outstanding explanation or a, a rant uh, against it. If you can dig it up on Twitter, go ahead and find it. It's only about 40 seconds long, but he nails it. He absolutely nails it when he, uh, 
had his uh, explanation and his rant uh, against that uh, taunting call uh, and everything. It was beautiful uh, what he said. But, um, you know, that's where it started. It was there in the third quarter where the referees started to get involved in the game. It's like, yeah, we had some calls go against us or whatever, uh, but that's the one that really, really hurt us was the James Daniels low block call where he was inside the tackle box and missed the block altogether. But, uh, you know, it, it just uh, it, it affected the Bears and it affected the outcome of the game. It absolutely did. And like I said, you don't want to be that guy, but they were making me that guy. So we go into the fourth quarter, and uh, they make that guy out of all of us and then some. Like I was just watching or looking at Twitter uh, after the game, uh, it was all over the place. I mean, people talking about, like, you know, like I can't stand this. NFL needs to do something about the officiating. This is the worst officiated game I've ever seen. Uh, and these were not Bear fans that were saying this. That's what I'm talking about. Like, they made that guy out of all of us. Like, this is ruining this game because I think, you know, it was a really great game. But going back and forth with the Steelers, especially when things exploded uh, in the fourth quarter, it was 20 to 6 going into the fourth quarter. We were looking at a 29 to 27 final score that had like three lead changes uh, in it. It became a hell of a ball game there if you stuck it out into the uh, fourth quarter. And those that did, those that I was watching, you know, following on Twitter and, and watching their response to this going down were upset that the referees were playing a part in the outcome of the football game. So uh, it was pretty annoying, but, um, you know, we, we made a valiant effort uh, to take the lead. You know, we, 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 uh, we made it happen. We made the miracle happen. We scored three times in the fourth quarter to take the lead with about a minute and so to go. But sadly, the Bears are going to bear, and the defense, for whatever reason, cannot answer the call this year. And with a lead and a minute 46 to go, we came up short, and Big Ben and company uh, were able to pull out the win. <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction. Fourth quarter, Bears and Steelers. And uh, due to a mixture of the refs killing us and us killing ourselves, the Bears come up short against the Steelers despite a valiant effort. Uh, from the from the team, it, you know, we we got a uh, was it a special teams? Yeah, it was a special teams touchdown. We forced a fumble on special teams and ran one in for a touchdown. Justin Fields engineered two touchdown drives, the last one to take the lead with about a buck forty or so to go uh, in the game, twenty seven to twenty six. And uh, you know, for the third time in four games, the defense when we need them to step up. They caved once again. They did it against Green Bay. They did it last week against San Francisco. And with a one-point lead, and I think the Steelers only had one or two timeouts to go, all they had to do was buckle down, and instead they let the Steelers march right down the field, get in the field goal range to kick what would be the game-winning uh, field goal uh, to the point where like, we only had 26 seconds and no timeouts or one timeout or whatever it was. Cairo Santos attempted a 65-yard field goal that I think was, was – it looked like he hit the crossbar. It looked like it was that close from the end zone angle, but when they flipped it around, I don't even, I don't even think he made it to the goal line, to be honest with you. But um, 
So much to talk about with the penalties, uh, especially the ones in the fourth quarter. The taunting rule came back to bite us once again. Uh, as bogus as that penalty is, it really came back to hurt the Bears today. And um, we should have won this game. We should have won this game, but, you know, it was, like I said, a mixture of the referees boning us. Uh, and sometimes in the calls they didn't make, more so than the calls than they did, and then the Bears killing themselves. I don't know how many times we got called for offsides, lining up offsides on defense and things like that. It's just inexcusable. Silver lining here, Justin Fields, his best output thus far. I think he may have gotten over uh, 300 yards on that last drive there, but 268 and a touchdown, you know, he looked fantastic. Um, really stepped up at the end, got us the touchdown that that uh, gave us the lead there momentarily in the fourth quarter, and uh, we almost pulled it off, but uh, we go into the bye with our fourth straight loss, and uh, who knows what the second half will hold. I mean, yeah, it's uh, going to be interesting. But Bears lose 29-27. We got the bye week and then eight more games before uh, 2021 closes down. <laughs> A couple of things before we start with the, uh, with the taunting penalty. Because, um, God, that penalty sucks. And I just found out uh, today that uh, apparently the Bears lead the league in taunting penalties. <laughs> so... It was appropriate we got nailed with another one. But um, number one, the, uh, the field goal at the end. It's a really crappy way for Cairo Santos' uh, consecutive field goal streak to get snapped, to kick a, uh, to attempt a Hail Mary of a, of a field goal from 65 yards out and, and things like that. Um, Should have never gone down uh, that way. It's unfortunate that... Uh, you know, it's it's like a quarterback getting an interception on a Hail Mary. That's going to count as an interception, even though it wasn't really an interception. You know what I mean? And uh, so it's going to go down as officially him snapping the streak. Uh, it ends at 40 because he had 38 coming in and he made two field goals uh, last night. So, um, you know, it ends uh, it ends at 40 consecutive, uh, but it ended on a on a field goal. The probability of him making were not good to begin with. So it's a lousy way for him to end that streak. And number two, why were we kicking the field goal? Um, as great as Cairo Santos has been, he's been able to kick from everywhere. I don't recall us kicking any 60-plus yard field goals during that 40 uh, consecutive field goal streak. Not anywhere even close uh, to that. And um, we have we have Jimmy Graham on the team, by the way, guys. Uh, so why not line up for the Hail Mary? The probability of that uh, succeeding, I I feel we're probably as good, if not better, than Cairo Santos, whose lifelong career goal was 55 yards, and we want him to hit one from 65 uh, to win the game, rather than see about Justin Fields with his deep ball throwing ability, see if he can hang one up for six foot seven Jimmy Graham to get underneath in the end zone to see if we can't win the game in a miraculous fashion that way. If it's me, I'm going Hail Mary all the way. Not because Cairo Santos is a lousy kicker, but because 65 yards is a lot to ask, and it's a lot to ask in Heinz Field, which is basically Soldier Field East as far as how, how much luck kickers tend to have in that building. Chris Boswell kicked very, very well for the Steelers, but he's the Steelers kicker. He's the one that kicks there half the season 
whereas the Bears are coming in once every eight years to play uh, in the in the, in Heinz Field. And uh, yeah, the the chances of him being able to make that kick was were close to none to begin with. And to put the game on him and snap his forty game or forty field goal streak, uh, lousy spot to put him in on that one. So that being said, uh, you know it's a raw deal for Santos for his field goal streak to be snapped in that way. Sadly, we just can't overlook that one, and he's starting back over at one again, where he was closing in on an NFL record until Nagy put him in a position to make an impossible field goal. So, uh, I mean, if we were indoors, maybe, but we're outdoors at Heinz Field. Come on, man. Go for the Hail Mary. We have Jimmy Graham. We got Justin Fields. Let's take a shot and see what happens instead. <laughs> and, and it was. Uh, it, did, it really did. It, I guess it was some kind of optical illusion. Like, it just happened to, like, be the perfect angle where it hit the ground, uh, where it looked like it hit the crossbar uh, and whatnot. It looked like it did. So it's like Steve Levy was tricked with with the rest of us uh, when he was he was looking at the monitor and not looking at the field. Obviously, uh, because if he's looking at the field, uh, it I think it was maybe like four or five yards deep into the end zone uh, is where it landed. So anyway, so let's talk about this taunting penalty. Now, two things happen with this. Number one. The Bears got screwed on that call. I talked about this a bit yesterday uh, on the Bear Up, Bear Down show where, you know, I find it suspicious that the ref didn't throw the flag until uh, Cassius Marsh was on his way back to the sideline. I find it even more suspicious the flag wasn't thrown until they bumped into each other, which the referee initiated. He hip-checked Cassius Marsh as he was running to the sidelines throws the flag after that. Not while he was actually, quote-unquote, taunting the Steelers' sideline. He didn't throw the flag while he was in the act of taunting. So he felt so strongly about him taunting, throw the flag while he's actually taunting. Because to play devil's advocate for the referee, he did stand there and stare at the sideline for a few seconds. In enough time, for the referee be like, you know what? He's taunting. Flag. No. But he didn't do that. He didn't do that. He didn't throw the flag in the moments that Cassius was standing there staring at the Steelers' sideline, which he was on last year. He played for the Steelers in 2020. So he didn't throw the flag while he was there, actively looking at the sidelines, not saying a word. He didn't say anything to the punter who was basically running right at him coming off the sidelines because it was fourth down after Marsh's sack that he was celebrating. Doesn't throw the flag then. Waits until Cassius Marsh has run all the way back past the middle of the field there. And uh, Carrenti throws him a nice little hip check, which he denies. It's like, the film doesn't lie, bro. I and the sky don't lie. You threw your hip into him, bumped into him, then threw the flag. That's suspicious as hell. So, yeah, he blew the penalty. And like I said, even playing devil's advocate for the referee believing that it was taunting, he was, taunt, quote-unquote, taunting long enough for the penalty to be thrown while he was taunting. But it didn't happen. He was done taunting. He turned around, ran back to the sideline. You bump into him, then throw the flag. It's all about optics. Number one, my optics don't lie 
because Marsh didn't say a word. He didn't utter a sound at the Steelers' sideline. He just eyeballed him for a second, turns around, runs back to the sideline, and then gets chewed out by his, his position coach. And Marsh had no idea what he was talking about. He's like, what do you mean? It's like, you just got flagged. For what? Exactly. For what? So, and, and I give that guy, and I know I, I told you guys about him. Uh, I, I, I watched an interview because he showed up on one of my favorite podcasts over the summer, uh, Two Bears, uh, One Cave, uh, with Tom Segura. Cassius Marsh actually bought Tom Segura's house in Los Angeles when Tom Segura moved to Texas uh, over the summer. Uh, so I guess that was enough of a reason for him to end up being a guest on the show, it was like a 90 minute podcast. They were talking for about an hour and a half. And, um, you know, I give the guy all the credit, man. He went and faced the media. He, he faced the firing squad and defended it. And you know what? I also feel for the guy because he looked uh, emotionally affected by that. You know, it's his first game with his new team. He makes a big play in a big moment and it gets robbed from him and becomes the story of the game on top of that. You know, most Bear fans, I think like me, was, aside from me, nobody knew who Cassius Marsh was, A, until he made the sack, and then B, had the penalty called against him. Now he's the most famous player in the NFL. Most famous player in the NFL that we just signed on like Wednesday or Thursday was called up to the active roster from the practice squad on Monday to play in Monday night's game. So the probability of any of that happening were low coming into Monday afternoon, and then it all happens, uh, you know, in, in a barrage there uh, at, in the fourth quarter. But, you know, like I was saying on the last, uh, you know, before, you don't want to be that guy, but the referees made me that guy. And I also say I, I take comfort in the fact that uh, it's not just Bear fans that are belly aching about the refs. I mean, this has turned into a thing. It really has turned into a thing about the taunting call and, uh, and all that kind of stuff. And Mike Tomlin, I love that guy. I respect him. He's one of the great coaches in the league. He can full-on kiss my fat, fuzzy ass, okay, defending that call. What bullshit, okay? I mean, come on. <laughs> no way to defend that. There is no way. And, of course, he's got to defend it. It went for his team. But I also heard Tomlin was one of the supporters to make that more of an emphasis uh, going into it. So we can blame Mike Tomlin across the board for this whole mess. He and uh, there was one other one. I forget who they said. Maybe Belichick or somebody like that uh, that were in, in, in favor of the, maybe it was Andy Reid. It was another AFC coach. But it was Mike Tomlin and one others that were kind of like the, that took the lead on, on making this penalty a thing or a more point of emphasis because it existed last year, but you really had to do something to get called for it. Now you can blow a fart in the wrong direction. It's a 15-yard penalty and a fresh set of downs for your opponent. So it's nonsense, absolute nonsense. Anyway, so, you know, the thing that kind of got lost in it again was the performance of uh, Justin Fields and what he did in the fourth quarter, the th for, for all, you know, bear pessimists out there that are kind of rooting for the bears to uh, fail in order to, uh, you know, this is, this is the bear fan that wants their cake and eat it too. They want to see progress from Justin Fields, but they want the bears to lose because that means we're that much closer to firing Matt Nagy. Then Monday night was the game for you. It absolutely was because we saw Justin Fields, uh, who had his best performance of the year last week against the 49ers, double down 
on that performance and lead the Bears from a 20-6 to deficit to take the lead uh, in the fourth quarter. You know, 27, and that throw that he made to Mooney, again, it was kind of like the Jesse James throw. He's rolling to his left, which is very difficult for right-handed quarterbacks to do. I don't think people um, really acknowledge how difficult a throw that is to make. Makes the throw across his body on a dime to Mooney, who has just enough room uh, on the sideline to uh, get both feet in and, uh, and make it count. I mean, just an amazing throw uh, from Fields. Uh, broke the pocket, rolled to his left, boom, throws it on a spot where only Mooney can get to a touchdown. Bears, we've got the lead, 27-26. And, um, you know, the only mistake the Bears made was leaving too much time on the field on the clock for, uh, for Big Ben. And uh, our defense, once again, third time in four weeks, and I've said this a few times now, but they did it against Green Bay when we, when we made it 17-14. to 14. We could use a, a stop, get us the ball back, maybe kick a field goal to tie it, send it to overtime, or God forbid, score another touchdown, take some of that offensive momentum to win the damn thing. Nope. We got five plays, 75 yards right down the field. The big play to Devontae Adams, the scramble in for Rodgers, the I own you moment uh, is given birth all in that drive. That all happened in one drive. Fast forward two weeks later against the 49ers. Justin Fields makes that bananas, you know, schoolyard run for a touchdown uh, to, to basically tie the game. We missed the extra point, but basically we tied the game. We've got the momentum. The crowd is jacked. Five plays, 75 yards, 49ers score, ball game over. And here we are. We come back 20 to 6, the start of the fourth quarter. We get a special teams touchdown on the scoop and score uh, on the fumble uh, in, the, in the fourth quarter there. We, you know, Justin Fields has two touchdown drives or leads two touchdown drives in the quarter, takes the lead with less than two minutes to go. We just need one more defensive stop. This is an offense that you've basically controlled for the entire football game. We just need to do it one more time. And instead, the Steelers march right down the field, kick the game winning field goal, and only leave us 26 seconds for Justin Fields to see if he can do it again. And unfortunately, he couldn't. So, you know. Defense got some work to do, man. It's going to be a long second half uh, of the year if the defense continues to uh, to do this. Because right now, um, we're looking at losing to the Ravens. Because granted, the Ravens are very generous on defense. They like to give up points and big plays. But uh, they've got Lamar Jackson and a very stout offense of their own. And uh, I think it's more likely that they blow us out than we get into a shootout uh, with them. I don't see it happening. So we're looking at three and seven going into the Thanksgiving game uh, against the Lions where sometimes some goofy things happen and the Lions figure out how to win a football game, especially since it's looking good. The Lions might still be winless going into that Thanksgiving game. Wouldn't that be the perfect time to end their winless streak of 2021? So wouldn't that just be a mess? Anyway. That's going to do it, guys. Let's go ahead and um, take a step back for a second, say, uh, give ear to our sponsors real quick, and then we'll come back and close this up. <laughs> this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Guys, Spotify Green Room is free, audio-only social media platform for sports fans. Start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. Talk with other sports fans, insiders, athletes, and executives in real time. Join in on conversations with me at Club 34-7 and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast. I'll be hosting rooms every week 
uh, for Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. Come through and talk to me live on Club 34-7. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Follow me at Larry D-E-E to be notified when my room goes live. And again, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, you can join me on the Spotify Green Room for Club 34-7. Come in. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk bears. Let's talk whatever you want. But in order to do that, you got to download the Spotify Green Room anywhere you get your apps. (coughs) This episode is also brought to you by Symbol. Symbol is the sports stock market that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. There are two ways to make money on Symbol. First, every time a team you own wins, you earn a cash win payout. Second, just like the stock market, if you think a team is going to increase in value, you can buy low and sell high for a profit. Use promo code SD as in sports drink to make your first deposit risk free. That means even if you lose money or just decide the market isn't for you, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. (laughs) Final thoughts, guys, as we uh, wrap this thing up. So we close out the schedule at uh, for the first half of the season at three and six. Uh, I think we're basically only about one game off from where I thought we might be uh, going into the bye week. Uh, I thought we would win against, like going through the tail of the tape here, going game in, game out. um, I think we pretty much nailed it going into the 49er game. Three and four basically sounded like where the Bears should be at that point uh, in the season. And um, we should have won the 49er game to be four and four and then losing on the road to Pittsburgh. Monday night football, the Bears never play well on a national stage. That made sense. So, Five and four, four and five is where I envision the Bears being at this point in the season. And instead, we choke against the 49ers and we're three and six instead. And, you know, we're, we're seeing progress from the rookie quarterback, which has been difficult to get because he wasn't prepared. He was not prepared because Matt Nagy did not give him any first-team reps during the preseason. Allen Robinson admitted as much. Justin Fields admitted, admitted as much, um, you know, when, when, when uh, the two of them faced questions about their lack of chemistry, uh, you know, on the field. It was like, well, we didn't get to practice much together at all during the preseason and or training camp. I mean, it would have been training camp. Allen Robinson played down in the preseason. So, Yeah. He was unprepared, and it, and the funny thing is you're seeing him on the field throwing touchdowns to Jesse James. Who was he throwing lasers to in the preseason? Jesse James. So it's weird. He had chemistry with the guys that he had been practicing with all summer, uh, but not so much with the guys that uh, Andy Dalton was the one getting all the reps with. Weird, right? So, yeah, let's not prepare for the fact that it could happen. Andy Dalton could get hurt, and Justin Fields might actually have to throw passes to these guys that uh, maybe they should get to know each other. Maybe they should get to learn each other's timing because you still see it's off at times. You saw it happen a couple of times in this game with Allen Robinson. Uh, you know, Robinson was running a, a hitch route, and I guess Fields was expecting him to cut it in a little bit more through the ball where he thought Robinson was going to be. Robinson wasn't there, ends up, you know, reaching for it. He got his fingertips on it, but he wasn't able to catch it because uh, Justin Fields could also throw a football through a steel wall. So, uh, yeah, they missed out. And it happened a couple of times uh, just in this game 
alone. The chemistry between the two still isn't there. So, um, you know, and that's on Nagy and Tabor, not Tabor, um, and DeFilippo and, 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 and Laser and all those guys not getting Justin Fields ready to play. That should have always been a part of the quote-unquote plan that we get him ready to play. And you do that by letting him have reps with the first team. The 49ers did that. And granted, they're not playing Trey Lance, but Trey Lance would know how to play with the first team if forced into duty because he was splitting reps with the first team in training camp. Justin Fields was not doing that. It was all second team. It was all scout team reps. Uh, So Justin Fields got to go up against our defense every day in practice, but otherwise was not getting ready with Cole Komet and Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney and the guys that he was going to be throwing passes to. So it's no wonder that, uh, you know, John V. Johnson and Rodney Adams and those guys were having, you know, and Jesse James were having excellent preseasons because Justin Fields was throwing them the football. And then the only guy out of that bunch to actually make the team, Jesse James, is Justin Fields' favorite target when he's on the field. Why? Because they know each other. He knows where Jesse James is going to be when he makes his cuts and all that kind of stuff. You see it happen all the time when Jesse James is actually out there. But, um, you know, so hope we take this, uh, this bye week to get the team a bit more steady. Uh, I am currently not looking forward to the Ravens game simply because Matt Nagy's record coming off of bye weeks is atrocious. I think including mini buys coming off of Thursday games, the Bears have won two games out of, what, eight or nine, something like that. Um, it just it hasn't been good. You know, it hasn't been good. That coming off a bye, we actually get a win. Um, it just doesn't happen under Nagy. So we always look unprepared. Uh, even, even just regular football games, we just look like we're catching up all the time. And it's a, it's a huge deficit, and it's why the Bears struggle the way that they do. They're great finishers, but they're not, they're not good starters. We figure it out by the fourth quarter. Okay, now we, we've got it, and now we're going to go make a run at it. But we're not coming out of the gates, guns blazing, and, and uh, you know, playing consistent football. It's a bad look. So, anyway, we're four and five. Uh, come on back on Friday. And um, my, myself and Lauren Cox will do our annual midseason review. I'm sure we'll have plenty to say about this game and the other, uh, other eight uh, as well. Talk about the development of Justin Fields. Talk about the decline of Matt Nagy. And, uh, you know, where, did, where does he sit on his thoughts with Nagy? Does Ryan Pace go with him? That's something that I want to talk to uh, Lauren about when he comes on. So be sure to tune in on Friday to hear the midseason review for 2021. And uh, then we'll be on a little bit of a break until we come back uh, next Thursday uh, with the first preview episode for the Ravens game. So uh, also join me tomorrow night um, or tonight, I guess you guys are listening to this on Wednesday. Join me tonight club 34, seven, 7 PM central eight o'clock Eastern. Let's talk about this taunting rule. Let's talk about what nonsense it is uh, and whatever else you guys uh, want to talk about. Be sure to come and uh, hang out with me. Seven o'clock central eight o'clock Eastern club 34, seven on the Spotify green room. And uh, like I said, come back Friday for the midseason review with myself and Lauren Cox from Locked on Bears. And until then, my name is Larry D, and this has been the Bears Talk Underground.
This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a a good one. In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more, but you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. 